This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Welcome to the podcast Secrets of the North, a podcast about true crime in Northern BC. I'm your host, Emily Gallen. And I'm the co-host, Spencer Hall. This episode contains subject matter that may be disturbing for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, Spencer. Hey, Emily. How are you doing? You know... It's been it's been an interesting long weekend. Emphasis on long and not in the fun way. Emphasis on long and not on weekend. Yeah, it's been long and not quite a weekend, but it's okay. Figuratively long or literally long? Both. Mm. But, you know, we're we're in the studio, which is wild because I mean, it's a legit studio, so that's cool. Yeah, and it's our very first episode. Sure is. It's finally here. It's finally here. It might not be the first time we're recording it, but it's Finally here. Hey, don't dox us like this. Don't, <laughs> don't I won't. Don't. I won't. I won't jinx us. Okay. So you got you got some stuff that you want to talk about. Yeah. I was going to shamelessly plug some Instagram. I mean, we haven't even put out our first episode yet, and we got 200 followers, which is about 180 more than I anticipated. Yeah, that's wild. We haven't even released the trailer yet. And I sent a... If, you, if, you, if you're my grandmother, you get some hot deets on this podcast so uh, i do want to be your grandmother i okay i will i mean i yeah okay i don't know how to respond to that one but make it happen i'll get, make it happen yeah i'll go back in time it'll be a uh what is it back to the future anyway a benjamin button situation yeah oh mm. that's fun i don't yep. think that i would want my grandmother to talk about as butts as much as you do mm. you don't know what you're missing out on you're right anyway so i sent her the the podcast trailer and she's like i love it how do i keep in touch and how do i keep updated so she followed our instagram so thanks grandma i love grandma yeah well let's get started with our first segment crime corner that we've just added last minute uh the segment where you tell me the deets on the local streets crime corner excellent so Mm. this is the very first crime corner so get ready I'm ready. All right. So this was shortly before Christmas last year, so 2021. Okay. We did not like that year. No, nobody did. Okay, so the headline. Northern Rockies Highway Patrol arrest man claiming to be Jesus after being stopped for excessive speeding. Okay, you've got me. I'm hooked. Continue. All right. So Fort Nelson, BC, let me take you to December 15th of 2021, which is when this report came out. Technically, it was December 13th that this happened. Okay, December 15th is my oldest's birthday. Oh, that's fun. Mine's yeah. December 11th. Oh, Yay. you're Sagittarius. Yeah. Yeah, so am I. Cool. Nice. So the BC Highway Patrol apprehended a man after stopping a vehicle for excessive speed. So okay. this was last December. So just ahead of the holidays on the 13th, I believe. Yep. On the 13th, BC Highway Patrol in Fort Nelson apprehended an Alberta man who said that he was Jesus after they pulled him over for excessive speeding. So this man was traveling in a Dodge pickup. He was going 117 kilometers in an hour, an hour in a 50 kilometer speed zone. That's funny because that's always what I pictured Jesus driving. A Dodge pickup? Yeah, man. All right. The guy was the only person in the vehicle. He was in his 20s. He's from Alberta. He was initially compliant and cooperative with the officer, and there was no kind of immediate indication that he was impaired by any substance. So officer goes back to his vehicle, writes up a ticket for excessive speed and the vehicle impoundment form because Mans was going too fast, mm-hmm. and he's like, we gotta got to mm-hmm. take your vehicle away. So he you was, do the crime. 
You pay the time. You pay the time. And the fine. And the and the fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Time is money. <laughs> money is time and it's always on my mind. <laughs> okay. So the officer served the documents to the man and explained that his truck would be ex- uh, impounded for, for seven days because the man's going too fast. At which point the guy's behavior changed and he told the officer, quote, my Christmas is over and you have no soul. What if I told you I was Jesus? So basically... He realizes that he's getting into trouble, and then he changes his tune. Yeah, and his go-to is, "I'm G- like I'm Jesus." Yeah, you can't put Jesus in jail. It's Christmas time. Absolutely. I also I picture that he did it like the guy out of the Matrix, where he's like, "What if I told you?" <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, uh, I like that too. <laughs> so the officer then calmly explained, which I think is great because I probably would have just straight up laughed in this man's face, which is. I'm not a police officer, mm-hmm. among, you know, many reasons, but five foot six can't <laughs> run. Anyway, the officer calmly explained that he was becoming concerned for the man's mental health mm-hmm. because he just said he was Jesus and may have to, you know, arrest him under the Mental Health Act if, you know, he continued to act the way that he is. So the man stopped talking and the discussion turned into, you know, making arrangements to bring him back to Fort Nelson, which is two hours away at this point. The guy opted to return to Fort Nelson with a tow truck. So, so was Jesus going to Alaska or was he headed back to Fort St. John? And you know what? Jesus works in mysterious ways. He does. He does. He took that wheel he did. and he <laughs> mysteriously drove somewhere. He listened to Carrie Underwood and he took that wheel. Yeah. Where'd the wheel take him now? So the officer returned back to his police car, at which mm. point man who said he was Jesus exited his truck and began running down the middle of the highway, ill-prepared for the bitterly cold winter because weather, because I don't know if anybody who's listening knows this for the folks that aren't in, you know, the North Peace or for the two people listening outside of Fort St. John. Exactly. So it's freaking cold in December near Fort Nelson. It is near the Yukon. Mm -hmm. So I guess, I don't know. I would like to, they say ill-prepared for the bitterly cold winter. I just like to think that he was running around in his underwear. That's not what's happened, and a please don't come at me for this, but like, just you think about a man saying that he's Jesus and he starts running in the middle of the highway, you just got to take it that little step further. I think by this point, we've realized that he just, he is Jesus. And so let's just call him Jesus from now on. Okay. Okay. Reported Jesus. All right. So he's claiming to be Jesus and that he's having visions. Uh, this behavior elevated the officer's concern, and he, along with a second BCHP officer, arrived on scene and helped apprehend the man under the provisions of the Mental Health Act. So Jesus was acting up, and they needed to call back up. Mm-hmm. So the second officer transported the man back to Fort Nelson while the first officer waited for the tow truck. Uh, truck was given a cursory search, so they looked in Jesus' truck, mm-hmm. And they found his a Dodge. Lo- yeah, his Dodge pickup and found a large bag of suspected magic mushrooms. Oh, there we go. Yeah, there it is. The officer now suspected that the man's erratic and irrational behavior may have been a result of consuming this illegal substance. So back in Fort Nelson, Jesus was assessed by a physician and found to be stable. That was a sentence I never thought that I would say. No. But the doctor wanted the man to voluntarily spend the night in the hospital to be mm-hmm. monitored. And yeah, basically... Both officers returned to the hospital, and based on the totality of the circumstances, including the erratic behavior and bizarre statements made by Jesus, entered into an impaired driving by drug investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that's all I got. That but- sounds like a wild, wild, I was going to say Wednesday. I don't know why I was going to say Wednesday. Well, let me go ahead and do some investigative journalism. And yeah. I can tell you when it was. Yeah. I mean, we could always enjoy not knowing. 
Or we could enjoy knowing. I it's would enjoy you. knowing. And what what day did you say it was? December fifteenth, twenty twenty one. So it was December thirteenth that this happened. Oh it? yeah, this straight up happened on a Monday. Oh, <laughs> I said Jesus. <laughs> oh Jesus, that's some classic Jesus right there. Yeah, that's a that's a that's not a Monday night for me. That's a Wednesday night for me. That's <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, that's my first crime corner. Uh, I apologize well for anyone who believes that Jesus is our savior. I'm pretty sure it wasn't the man who was. You know, uh, intoxicated by magic mushrooms, but I mean, I don't know. Spencer, well done. I am giving you snaps. Ooh, I haven't had snaps since uh, radio school. Oh, bless. Yeah. Bless. Learn more about the major stories happening in Fort St. John and beyond with Moose Talks. Host Dub Craig sits down with experts and leaders in our region to provide updates on major projects that impact Northeast BC. Listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. on 100.1 Moose FM or catch up wherever you get your podcasts. Go to energeticcity.ca slash moose talks for more information. Check out all of our podcasts. Go to energeticcity.ca slash podcasts. Okay, well, let's get into something a little bit more sinister, a little less current, and let me put on my radio voice for oh, you. Oh, you slip into something a little bit more comfortable. Yes. Sunday, November 12th, 1948, was most likely a cold day along the Alaska Highway. This story takes place not far from here, in Dawson Creek, B.C. At the time, there were probably no more than 500 residents. Those that settled in the region at the time came to Homestead and see what the North had to offer. Spoiler alert, the North offers snow. What? It's true. And just a few years prior, in 1942, the train arrived on the Northern Alberta Railway's line carrying the first American soldiers assigned to build a military road to Alaska. Crime was rare at the region in this time, and according to a UBC research paper from the period of 1920 to 1940, actually only 66 felony cases were tried in the region. In fact, in 1948, there were only 335 cases, 307 dismissals, 244 convictions, and four awaiting trials. My favorite quote from the UBC paper by a man named John Swanger great name, Mm -hmm. was while there may not have been an orgy of crime, there was a significant increase in drunkenness at the time. Ooh. I know. That's a good Like, put that on my tombstone. Put that on your tombstone. Okay, that's put it in writing and I'm going to do that for you, okay? I will, okay. I like that in this scenario, it's you're going to outlive me. Well, I I am older than you. That is, I mean, you will outlive me. And my family heritage is Italian, so. Oh, yeah, you're right. My grandparents do love to live to their 100 as I should. I love that for them. Mm-hmm. So speaking of old people. Nice. James Watson was 62 years old, a local farmer, and he was with his friends and some articles say family on their way back from Dawson Creek after attending a show. They were headed back home to a place called Kilcarran, which sounds Irish and I have absolutely no idea where that it is. It absolutely sounds Irish. I'm like, do we have a rolling hillside? Well, I mean, we do, but like, do. I don't... Kilcarran. There's no way to know. Kilcarran. Somebody, you know what? Slide into our, our Instagram and mm-hmm. let us know if you know where Kilcarran is. Mm-hmm. Little did they know that two young boys that night, 11 and 13, were hiding along the highway waiting with a stolen rifle. See, that's just an age that should not have a rifle. Or be alongside a highway. Yeah. In the middle of the night. In the mi- Yeah. Yeah. According to the Toronto Daily Star, the young boys stole a rifle from a parked car along with ammunition and donned handkerchiefs to wear as masks. Then they hid along the highway waiting for a vehicle to pass. They wanted to be bandits. Real life bandits. 
An article I found in the Toronto Metropolitan University, formerly known as Ryerson University, stated that, quote, when the automobile in which Watson was riding home with friends from a Dawson Creek theater approached, the boys attempted to halt it by shooting in the air. Police testified that when the vehicle did not halt, the boys shot again, and it was this shot that pierced the car and passed through Mr. Watson's body. So, here's my thing. If you're driving and you hear a gunshot, mm-hmm. you're just going to keep driving? Oh, yeah. I'm going to drive faster. Good point. Yeah. And I thought that they had got away and everything, but it turns out they were caught right away. According to Time Magazine in December of 1948, those boys actually ditched that gun and ran. They came back days later even with another youth to retrieve that gun and ammunition. So, <laughs> kind of sucks for that one kid that was just kind of vibing. And then his two friends came up to him and was just like, hey, we killed somebody. You want to help me get this gun that we left there? Well, who knows what they did tell him. But True. you're 11, you're 13, you've got undeveloped brains. And so I guess if your two friends come up to you and say, hey, you want to come get this gun? You, I guess you say yes. Yeah. Also, I he mean, like, yes. yeah, who, who knows what yes. they were up to in the December of 1948? Like, you know, the war just ended. So, I mean. This is true. Although, remember the December on the Alaska Highway, freezing cold. Yes. Well, yes. Apparently, one of them confessed to the murder shortly after. And I really wonder how they would have been caught back in the day if they didn't confess, because it's not like anyone has a dash cam in 1948. True. Although, I guess they would have eyewitness testimony from the other people in the vehicle. Do you think they would have been able to identify them as children, or do you think they'd just be like, he was shot by two really short men? Mm, With anchor chiefs. Yeah, the two short kings just came and blasted. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know but um, I guess it didn't really have a, uh, a good ending. It didn't. Unfortunately, Mr. Watson survived only to tragically pass away just four days later. Oh. This idea to shoot up a vehicle came from their obsession with comics. According to John Bell, the author of The Comic Menace, named after myself, mm-hmm. these boys devoured up to 50 comics a week. 50 comic books, like the full book. Like the full, well, I mean. The full meal deal. A full, do you think they were, huh, you know, I just. That's a lot. That, that's a lot. Like what comics are they reading? Because like if they're, if they're reading like the true tales of Archie and Jughead, then it's like, okay. Mm, well. I don't know what year that started, so that's probably not accurate. Well, this is going to get into something a little bit more sinister when it comes to comics there, Spencer. Oh, no. mm-hmm. During the trial, according to Toronto Star, the presiding judge blamed comic books for James Watson's death and recommended that measures be taken to ban the periodicals. And I quote, I am satisfied, proclaimed Judge C.C.S. Kitchen. That's a a mouthful of a name. (laughs) That a concerted effort should be made to see that this worse than rubbish is abolished in some way. Yeah. Yeah, abolish that rubbish. Abolish that rubbish. He knows a bit about rubbish because his name is Judge (laughs) C.S. Kitchen. That's a name. That is, that's a name. What's his uncle's name? C.S. Pantry? That's better. I went went straight bathroom. Anyway, this sounds, see, this sounds familiar to me because it sounds like every person that says that violent video games are to blame for like a bunch of shootings and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, where it's just like, is it the, is it the books themselves or the level at which they are consuming the content? 
Because 50 comic books a week, well, again, I'm very glad that they're reading. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Like, that's – what else are you doing? Like, shouldn't – it was 1940. Shouldn't they have, like, a paper route or something? Like, that just – get go outside. They weren't busy enough. No, exactly. And according to my pal Swanger, uh. the magistrate at the time declared the young boys in court delinquents. Which, I mean, who isn't? Delinquents makes it sound like they painted on a fence and they shouldn't have. That's a delinquent to me. Not yeah. We shot a man in cold blood because we wanted to be bandits. Let's call it well, a spade a spade. A yeah. murder a murder. Yeah. Okay? I, mean, I mean, you know, if you're 13 and you murder somebody, it's like, yes, you don't have, like you've pointed out, you don't exactly have the most developed brain. But you still should know that killing people is wrong. Or do they? Well, yeah, I guess. And I think that was the whole point between the... I think that was the whole point about the campaign against the comic books. My question, too, is, like, obviously these boys probably aren't alive anymore. Or maybe they are. But were they firing into the air still? Or did did they fire into the air once and then they said they were mad that they didn't stop, so then they fired into the car to, like, shoot to kill? Because this sounds like when... I, I mean, when kids get guns, I don't think that they quite because their brains brains aren't as because they're formed. children because yeah they're children with a deadly weapon. I don't think they really grasp how deadly the weapon is. No, probably not. And I do think from what I read that they intended to like halt the vehicle, and I think maybe it was some form of a robbery. Okay. Um, but then, like you just said, they if they don't even know how to use a gun, a rifle, and their shots instead of intending to halt the vehicle end up killing him. Mm-hmm. So the 13-year-old boy was actually committed to the Industrial School for Boys in Coquitlam, B.C., while the 11-year-old was committed to the care of the Superintendent of Child Welfare in Vancouver, B.C. Okay. So I actually started looking into that school in Coquitlam, and I found a provincial report on the school. Okay. So according to the B.C. government website... The Boys Industrial Training School, more commonly known as BISCO, was opened in 1922 as a school for incorrigible youth. When it opened, it held 69 boys, overseen by 24 staff. It operated until 1954 when it was replaced by Brandon Lake, which I don't know if that means they literally replaced it with a lake. They just dig a giant hole. (laughs) I don't know what a Brandon Lake is. Let's Google it. Oh, Brandon Lake. It's an actual lake. Okay, so they just... (laughs) (laughs) It's a lake. There's a lake there now. They were like, oh, man. Okay, that's that's interesting. I I think that was the time where you could just straight up replace things with lakes. So I possibly found a record for the 13-year-old. There is someone listed in the report as being from Puskupi, B.C., which is right beside Dawson Creek, B.C., in the years following... 1946, where this is when this would have taken place. Mm -hmm. This young man's parents were Canadian and American, but I didn't see the sentencing length. And actually, most of those who were sent to that school had sentences that were listed as indefinite. Isn't that wild? That is wild. That's like, you're a 13-year-old and you did something bad, we're still going to take the key and throw it away. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Local news at the time covered the story and the fallout that ensued. According to the Alaska Highway News, in an article called Canadian Children... Good or bad? Editor Ma Murray stated that there is no juvenile delinquency in Fort St. John. Enter laughter here. Okay, well, I mean, I mean, I hate to say this, but there, clearly there's an issue right here that, like, it, the facts are right ahead of you. Proof. There, there is juvenile delinquency. <laughs> oh, well, this did happen between Fort St. John and Dawson Creek also. No, I guess, but it's weird when something like this happens to then be like, well, it didn't happen in Fort St. John. 
There's actually quite a common theme that I'm finding during research where they're trying to either, if it's true or not, project this view of the peace region that it's very crimeless. Actually, this case became part of a much bigger issue country and worldwide. It was the war on comics. What? Yes. So there was actually a war on comics. It was something that came about in the late 40s and early 50s, according to my best friend, Wikipedia. Do you remember when parents used to believe, like you were just talking about before, the violence in video games? Mm -hmm. So this is kind of like an earlier segment to that. So this is when people and parents and they had their little PTA meetings and they all got together and they thought that these comic books, like violence in them, should mm -hmm. be banned. They thought it was too influential, just like the video game saga of the 90s. Do you remember that happening in the 90s? I kind of do, and it reminds me of that show. What, what? Power Rangers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so apparently people were thinking that the violence on Power Rangers was causing children to act out violently. Mm -hmm. and so I remember that. You know what's interesting about this is that it's in 1948, three years after the World War. Do you think maybe that would have an effect on how children are acting, considering they've just watched this happen? And especially, like, that was at a very young time for them. Like, maybe that's why. The thing about history and geography, Spencer, is mm -hmm. that I know nothing about either. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. But... Now that you mentioned that, I'm on your side. I mean, I hindsight agree. is twenty twenty, but you know, I, I also don't think that these kids should have been, you know, reading comic books for fifty hours. No, exactly. That's more. That's more than a work week for the average person. Yeah, that's more than my work week. I actually found like a ton of research papers about the campaign against comic books. There was literally a bill written about it in law called the Fulton Bill. So Mr. Fulton was a conservative MP from Kamloops, BC. Okay. The Crisis of Innocence webpage said that the Act to Amend the Criminal Code, also known as the Fulton Bill, received its first reading in the House of Commons in 1949. The amendment made criminally liable anyone who prints, publishes, sells, or distributes any magazine, periodical or book, which exclusively or substantially comprises matter depicting pictorially the commission of crimes, real or fictitious, mm -hmm. thereby tending or likely to induce or influence youthful persons to violate the law or to corrupt the morals of such persons. This bill received its final reading on December 5th, 1949 and was passed into law. Do you think it's still going? I mean, I don't think that it's still going because there's a influx of comic books and there's worse it things can't, out there. It can't be going no. because even my children have comic books that have violence in it. So does my partner. We have a yeah. stash of them. There you go. Well, that is uh, comics on crime. Yeah, that's my case. What do you think? Do you think that that is what caused these boys to do this or do you think they were just being kids? I think that behavior is caused by our environment and so that that actually could have increased their motivation to commit the crime. You know what else I noticed throughout this entire story? And I hate to be this guy. Hmm. Where are these kids' parents? Oh, yeah. You took it there. You know, 1948. I guess. I Maybe they were working. May, maybe they were orphans. Oh. Well, I didn't, oh, man. I didn't even think about that. Well, I mean, they get incarcerated or they got sent to the... School. Oh, no, because the one guy got sent to the school in Coquitlam. Right. But the other one was placed in child welfare. Right. Okay. So he had so parents. He, the one in child welfare obviously didn't, was taken from parents or didn't yeah. have parents. Okay. Yeah. Well, 
that's sad. Personally, I don't think that comics were to blame at this one. I think it was very easy to find a scapegoat. I think there were a lot of things that happened with these kids. I mean, again, it was 1948, so they've just, mm-hmm. in very you know formative years, have witnessed that. I mean, maybe not firsthand, but in, you know, in Canada, you're still hearing this news over the radio or whatever. And not only that, but they had the American soldiers coming through building the Alaska Highway. Exactly. So, you know, you're seeing these soldiers, they're probably telling you things or things that they've heard from their yeah. friends and that, I mean, I don't know because I wasn't around. And the war on comics had started even prior to this. So they were, like you said, using it almost like as a scapegoat. There's yeah. a few little instances in the world, you know, when you're looking at numbers and it's like that minuscule population, but it does support the cause that they're wanting to support. Well, they're cherry picking, right? Yeah. And we've seen that in many things since this 1948 thing where people will cherry pick. I mean, satanic panic, for for yes. example. I think that was uh, the 80s. Yeah, it was the 80s. We should really find if there's any cases around in, I mean, I imagine there was, but for satanic panic, but mm. there's some really interesting, interesting things that we've all done mass hysteria wise. Well... This has been really interesting. I did not <laughs> think that something like this happened in the Peace region, but interesting nonetheless. Neither did I. When I started researching for this podcast, and I have some cases that are from like 1930s. Wow. Yeah. And so I'm excited to get into those. Obviously, there's not as much information about mm-hmm. the victims, which we want to highlight, but yeah. you would be completely surprised with how detailed and graphic some news articles were back in the 1930s. I wouldn't actually. You wouldn't. You I, wouldn't. I think that like reading through some, I yeah, there's been some interesting news articles, but yeah. And you know, if anybody listening to this knows the Watson family or has been around, cause I mean, we've got generations upon generations of people and you want to share that information with us, feel free. I know Emily, we do a lot of research uh, more so Emily, but uh, you know, if there's anything that you guys know, we would love to do a follow-up. If we get new information, just reach out to us via Instagram for now. Eventually we'll have an email that you can easily email, but if you guys are on Instagram, please let us know. Cause we want to, you know, again, highlight the victims as much as we can, but unfortunately I just, sometimes it's just not possible. Yeah. If the records are lost or we don't know how to access the records. Exactly. In some people's cases. Or, not mine. you know, they put all the records in a file folder and then there was a fire. Well, that's it for today's episode. If you want to find pictures and other supporting documents for this story and every other story that we do, you can find us at Secrets of the North underscore podcast on Instagram. And you will also find our other Instagrams. Our respective Instagrams. Our personal Instagrams. Our personal ones. If you want to see a lot of pictures of dogs, well, one specifically, mine, you can follow me. It'll be around. Dinosaurs. Well, maybe. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been Secrets of the North, a comic book killers episode. I'm Um, Emily Gallen. I'm Spencer Hall. And you're in my butt. Thanks for listening to this EnergeticCity.ca podcast. EnergeticCity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join.